Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your people who have gathered here out of love for you. And may our words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 1960, 20th Century Fox released a movie in deluxe color. The screenplay was an adaptation of the biblical book of Ruth. By the time the movie reached the Normana Theater in El Campo, Texas, I was probably about eight years old. Now, since the story was a biblical story about the book of Ruth, I'm sure my parents thought it was something that me and my sisters needed to see, so we went. Now, what they couldn't have expected was that um, the screenplay took some cinematic liberties. (laughs) Especially with the beginning of the film, the whole first half, actually. The story portrayed Ruth as a... um, pagan priestess, idolatrous, and she was responsible for preparing a small girl, Tiba, for sacrifice to the Moabite, Moabite god, Shemosh. Well, in the most dramatic scene in the film, there was Tiba laying on an altar and there was a priest, a big guy with a big sword, raising it above her and then it went to black. Well now, if that wasn't bad enough, then Elimelech died, which is biblical. But the two sons, in the years later, um, Killian and Malan were killed brutally in a, in a civil war there in Moab. Uh, it was just frightening. I mean, it was so bad that I didn't remember any of the rest of the movie. And I had to sleep for nearly a month with all the lights on in my bedroom. No matter what my parents tried to convince me of. It was bad. Well, You know, those screenplay writers didn't tell us the truth about the story. And really, all of us today have probably experienced people who don't tell us the truth. In fact, I think today it's been hard to know what is true and what is not. And so I think it's good that we're revisiting this story today. And maybe we can get a little truth out of it about what it means to deal with tragedy and what it means to have hope. As you heard in the reading this morning, the story begins in a struggle. The land is in famine, and Elimelech and Naomi have some really hard decisions to make. The irony is that they live in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. But there's no bread. And so they make the decision to go with their two sons to Moab. Now, if we were first hearing this as Israelite people, that would perk up our ears in a big way because, well, Moabites, while they could provide food, they were also very dangerous because they were descendants of Lot and an incestuous relationship with his oldest daughter. And that was just not good in their minds. And then everything went to heck in a handbasket. I mean, Elimelech dies, and then it says, without any explanation, so do 
Malon, and Chilean, Killian. Now, this is a tremendous tragedy for Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And the reason it's a tragedy, and particularly for Naomi, who is older, is a widow, a foreigner, in a foreign land, now she's left to have, take care of these two daughters-in-law. And Naomi, um, once again, faces a very difficult decision and decides to go back to Bethlehem and Judah, which is where her home is, but it's very clear that without a husband and without sons, she will be in grave danger as she makes this trip back. And so she does decide to return, and, and the story goes from there. Well, when Carrie and I talked about preaching about the book of Ruth, I was actually thrilled. No matter what the impact it had on my life, the cinematic version, I had come to love the story of Ruth a lot, and so I was excited we were preaching on this today. But as I read these first 18 verses again in preparation for our sermon today, I, 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 was, I was really struck by how much it... I mean, it has a lot to do with us today. It's not a distant story. It's not out of place. I mean, the last two years have been hard. They continue to be hard. And in light of all the upheaval and the stress we've been experiencing this story feels timely and recognizable. It turns out now more than ever, we need people to speak truth to us. We need to hear Ruth's story because it's our story. Surely all of us recognize some aspect of the heartaches in Ruth's story as our own. Loss, death, Mass trauma, grief, oh, so much grief. So many losses. It's hard to make sense of it. It's hard to make sense of it at all. And we may well find ourselves questioning God. Why is this happening? Where are you? And even if God is... Clearly, the story of Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah begins with tremendous tragedy. They have a collective trauma. And I have to admit that revisiting this collective trauma that they are experiencing, that women in a patriarchal society are experiencing, I get angry and very sad. Because I think about women struggling with tragedy today, struggling with loss and grief. It's all recognizable, isn't it? I mean, across the globe, women have bared a big burden from the pandemic and have faced many crises. And COVID has exacerbated one of the struggles that many women experience, that of domestic violence. And that always impacts children. There's so much other trauma and emotional, political, and economic, and even spiritual trauma. Surely, we may be asking ourselves now, are there any good people left? Is there any word for us that can be good news today? 
Yes, yes, there is good news for us today. Uh, Ruth is a story of two women who come together and, and promise to stay together no matter what happens. Uh, they make a promise to one another. In church language, we, we say that they make a covenant. You know how we have words that you only say in church? Like, that's not the foyer, it's the narthex. <laughs> between themselves and God. The covenant is a powerful agreement uh, made when those with some sort of connection with each other decide to take that connection to the next level. Uh, The covenant that we are most familiar with is the marriage covenant when two people decide that they will for for the rest of their lives to the best of their ability live out promises that they make to each other. A covenant is a promise that the covenant maker will go to the ends of the earth to fulfill. And it's not made casually. It's a commitment to love and to serve. When I was growing up, I loved James Avery. We even went to Kerrville one year, and I was like, we have to go to the James Avery factory. Uh, You can buy a wedding band from James Avery that has the words that Ruth says to Naomi. Uh, It's in Hebrew, the words from Ruth 1.16 that are translated as, where you go, I will go. And that verse continues, where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, my God will be your God. The words of promise, words of covenant that Ruth speaks to her mother-in-law. In the fall of 2018, Greenland Hills decided to host a gender wedding in this place. We had 76% of our church members voting and 99% said, let's do all the weddings. And most of our same-gender couples had already gotten married. They had not decided. They had decided to not wait uh, for the church to get its act together. But there was one couple that wasn't married yet. Uh, Donna Aldridge and Keely Ward had had a big party at their engagement. <laughs> And, and so they were like, we already had our engagement party. You know, we're, it's like we're married. And that was fine until their son Eli realized that they were not married. So uh, Donna and Keely were arguing in the front of the car. And Donna made some quip about how you know, we're not even married. And Eli, 10-year-old Eli said, you're not married! <laughs> and so they started to think about it. Now, I had not officiated a same-gender before, but after Greenland Hills decided to host all the weddings, I started to hound Don and Keely, and it was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> and I would say, I would love to do your wedding, and, and one time um, Donna said, well, I heard that you have to pay more taxes if you're married. <laughs> and I said, I don't know, I just want to do your wedding, get married! <laughs> And so they decided to get married um, in the sanctuary during the pandemic on the 20th anniversary of their first date. And this week they celebrated their 20 and 1 anniversary uh, at their wedding, Eli, whose name reminds me of Elimelech. Maybe it's a derivative, I'm pretty sure. Um, He read the words from Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. It reminds me of the threefold cord that were created between Naomi and Ruth and the son that is born, Obed. You know, Don and Keeley didn't use the words from Ruth and Naomi as wedding vows. They don't have the James Avery wedding ring, but they could have. I remember I was so nervous on that wedding day, but do you know what? 
It was just like any other wedding. <laughs> there were two people standing before God and their family and friends declaring their love for each other, saying, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. I mean, it's how we create family, how we create community. Ruth keeps Naomi alive, right. literally. You know, we need each other to be made whole. When we're broken, we need each other to, to put gold around broken bits and to make a complete bowl out of us. Ruth was faithful. She made covenant. She made promises. And her story, because of those promises that she made, was changed from disaster and death to relationship and life and love. You know, God uses other people to show us love. God uses a Moabite, a foreigner, someone who was despised simply because of their ethnicity, someone who was denied admittance to the assembly of the Lord to save Naomi. She represented the Hebrew people. And the child that is created is a descendant of Jesus. I mean, this relationship that is created, this promise that is made, saves ultimately us. In the name of God. Thanks be to God. And everyone said together, Amen. 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 Amen.